Future Proof Extra from News Talk. Yes, this is Future Proof on News Talk. I'm Jonathan McRae. Uh, now, we were trying to get to this story last week, but due to various issues, we couldn't. Because when, when I read it, I said, there's something different about this. And sure enough, when I spoke to Debbie McKenzie, uh, who's been on with us from New Scientist magazine a few times, we thought we should probably cover um, a recent development in the study of Alzheimer's, which is the most common form of dementia, about 60 to 70% of cases. And it's sort of a switch a uh, possible switch in direction for research that has so far have been really, really fruitless. Um, joining us uh, uh, on the phone now is Debbie McKenzie from New Scientist. Uh, Debbie, you're very welcome. Maybe if you wouldn't mind starting off just explaining um, what we mean by Alzheimer's and what it does in the brain. Well, basically, dementia is just a really severe loss of mental ability uh, in people who are getting older. Um, and as you say, most of them are a form called Alzheimer's, which seems to involve a lot of losses of nerve cells in particular bits of the brain, like the hippocampus, which is involved in memory. Um, right now, um, 50 million people in the world um, have some form of dementia. And because so many people are living longer, um, in especially parts of the world like, like China and India, in 10 years, that's going to be 75 million. It's a really pressing health problem. I mean, every three seconds, someone in the world develops dementia. It's the fifth biggest cause of death. It's really quite remarkable that we haven't been able to come up with any drugs that really have a direct effect on the disease progression itself. We really haven't. We've been doing trials of this, that, and the other. And um, we're beginning to suspect that maybe our theory of what causes Alzheimer's has been wrong. And that's why all these things have been failing. So um, it's not like we haven't been trying. There's a huge amount of money been spent both in Europe and America and in many other countries trying to tackle this problem of dementia. And one of the ways you might try and tackle a disease is look for things called biomarkers. So substances in the brain um, that is infected with a disease or that is um, affected by a disease uh, and compare that to a healthy brain and try and see if you can identify some of the reasons why um, someone has dementia versus someone who doesn't. Well, indeed, that's what they did, obviously, some time ago with uh, with dementia and what they immediately noticed with Alzheimer's. There are buildups, big, sticky, clumpy buildups of, of, a, of a protein in the brain called amyloid that seemed to be, you know, really what characterized uh, the brain of somebody with Alzheimer's. And so they thought, okay, simple idea, um, seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, you lose control somehow of, of making amyloid and you make too much of it and it builds up and that's what causes the disease. Hmm. So they tried all sorts of drugs to try and get the levels of amyloid down and it didn't have any effect on the disease at all. Even worse, they found some people with Alzheimer's who didn't have clumps of amyloid you know, uh, people started thinking, wait a minute, you know, maybe we need, you know, as you do in science, when it doesn't work out, you think, right, let's take a look at our hypothesis. Um, and at about that time, somebody discovered that the purpose of amyloid, and nobody had been able to figure this out for years, but it turns out the purpose of amyloid in the brain seems to be fighting bacteria. The thing, you know, engulfs bacteria. It gets made to contain bacterial infections in the brain. They discovered doing work with mice. And um, they thought, well, hey, you know, the penny really dropped at that point, especially with people who work in dental faculties and, and, and schools of dentistry that, that do research on infections of the mouth, because it had been known for a long time that if you have gum disease, you're more likely later on to develop Alzheimer's. And now they discover that this amyloid protein that's so typical of, of most Alzheimer's cases um, is antibacterial. And people started going, wait a minute you know, maybe it's a bacterial infection that's doing this. 
So, uh, for uh, as you said, a lot of the the work have been looking at this amyloid hypothesis, as it's called. Uh, One point nine billion dollars uh, last year spent on Alzheimer's research. Ninety nine percent just in the states. Yeah, and and ninety nine percent of these drug developments are um, are failures. And then um, yeah. and then we start looking at, at at something as simple as gum disease. So, talk to us about the 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 study and, and what it actually found, because we don't want to overhype this, but it is quite significant and quite exciting. It was very, very large. They did 11 major experiments. Now, the good thing is that a number of different groups around the world had done research because, as I was saying, it was, so the penny was starting to drop, certainly for dental researchers. And some of them were starting to do things like you, you give mice an infection with one of the key bacteria um, in gum disease, um, Porphyromonas gingivalis, which fortunately is known as PG to its friends. Um, they were giving mice gum disease with PG bacteria, and they were getting the symptoms of Alzheimer's. And the bacteria was getting into their brain. And, and people were thinking, well, hey, you know, a lot of different groups are getting results like this. So this startup company, one of these little biotech startup companies that does most of the new drug development these days in San Francisco, had come up with a couple of molecules, small molecules, um, that are the sort that you can turn into a drug, you know, relatively easily, uh, that block the toxins that these PG bacteria make. And they decided, you know, with this, we can really, really pick apart the role of these bacteria in the disease. Um, they gave mice gum disease with PG, and yep, it got into their brains, and it caused damage that looked exactly like Alzheimer's in people. Um, they gave them these drugs, these molecules, to block the toxins, and less bacteria got into the brain, and there was less damage to the brain. When they looked at the brains, they found that... Um, the, uh, the bacteria were in precisely the place you'd expect to see damage from Alzheimer's. They looked at brain samples from people who died with Alzheimer's, and sure enough, they had signs of the bacteria and the toxins in the bits of the brain, and in fact, the very cells that are most damaged in Alzheimer's. Um, some of the people who didn't have Alzheimer's symptoms um, had a bit of that too, but much lower levels. They've always known about Alzheimer's is that the amyloid buildup, which is real, it does happen in Alzheimer's, um, starts at a very low level and then accumulates for 15 or 20 years before you get symptoms. And that's exactly what you'd expect to find if that amyloid buildup and Alzheimer's ultimately is being caused by these bacteria. You'd expect some people uh, who died before they could develop Alzheimer's maybe to have low levels of infection and the same kind of damage. And yes, that's exactly what they had. But, but um, when we think of gum disease, I mean, surely nearly everybody suffers from gum disease at some point during their, their life. What, uh, you know, how much of a correlation do we see between people who have, I suppose, fewer teeth um, or a higher likelihood of, of having gum disease and Alzheimer's? Is there a crop re- reference there? It's, it's, a, it's a very strong correlation, actually. Now, it's important to say that you can have gum disease and not get Alzheimer's. I mean, maybe you get it treated fast enough. Maybe the, the stuff doesn't get into your brain. Maybe it develops very, very slowly, and, and you die of old age before the Alzheimer's can, you know, take over. Um, a lot of people, as you say, have gum disease, and you know, not everybody gets Alzheimer's. Although, you know, it, it's relatively common. It's, you've got about a one in fourteen chance if you're over sixty-five of developing Alzheimer's before you die. But you've got a much higher chance than that, probably, of getting gum disease. So mm. one does not necessarily lead to the other. But then it also takes a long time for the damage to build up. The thing is, though, that when they looked at an association between other health conditions and Alzheimer's in an attempt to try and figure out what the hell is going on with this disease, 
they discovered that, uh, was it, I think it was a study in, in 2010 or something, they discovered the fewer teeth you had in old age, the more likely you were to develop Alzheimer's. Um, they mm. discovered there was a very strong correlation between having had gum disease and developing Alzheimer's later. I mean, it's not 100%. It's, it's not just straight cause and effect. But in, in epidemiology, a correlation um, means a lot. Now, the thing is, they couldn't say, okay, there are, there are PG bacteria in brains of people who had Alzheimer's. Maybe they just got in more easily because the brain was being damaged by the Alzheimer's. Maybe they didn't cause it. Yeah. There, that's interesting, doesn't prove it caused it. But then when they took this drug and blocked the effect of the bacteria in mice, you know, and got less bacteria in the brain, mm. okay, that's starting to suggest that maybe, you know, of course it's mice. You know, it's, it's, you're, you're creating something that looks a lot like Alzheimer's with these disease, with, with, with these bacteria. So they're taking these blockers. They've already cleared them in people. They seemed to get a bit of an improvement in some of the people with Alzheimer's in the initial small trial that you do just to make sure the drug is safe. Um, what they're going to do later this year is do a big trial, a lot of people, give it to a lot of people with Alzheimer's. So, so this, this potentially could, not just, it could be not just um, a reduction in symptoms, but a preventative measure. Well, the wonderful thing is because this um, bacteria is so absolutely key in the development of gum disease, I mean, gum disease involves a whole raft of different bacteria, but this guy's the real ringleader. He's, he's kind of, you know, the, the guy causing all the trouble. So a bunch of people in Melbourne thought, well, what if we could vaccinate people against this bacteria? Because um, about a quarter of people who don't have gum disease have got this thing living in their mouths and it's not causing any damage because they have healthy gums and it's not really getting a toehold. But a lot of people don't have it at all. This is clearly a bacteria we can really afford to be without. So they've actually developed a vaccine, and they're just about to go into big clinical trials of it. We could maybe actually prevent not only gum disease, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but maybe if, if this is a major cause of, of dementia, we could, we could prevent that too if this vaccine works. So I have a, a question. It's about... Um things traveling into the brain. I thought there was a barrier that protected the brain that, that, that infections generally don't get into the brain for a very good reason, that, that um, yep. it's, it's almost, it's not sterile, but it's almost sterile inside our brains because of the damage that a virus or a bacteria could do. How does bacteria yep, yep. get from our mouth to our brain? Well, the key here is that this, this PG uh, bacteria, they produce these toxins. The toxins are enzymes that actually chew up protein. So they are known to be able to get inside cells of various kinds. Um, the theory, they haven't quite tracked this one down yet, but they seemed to be following the paths of nerves into the brain. And there are nerves, cranial nerves, um, that go from basically running right through your mouth tissue, like the trigeminal nerve or you know the hypoglossal nerve. I mean, they're right there in your mouth. And they go up into your brain. They're not called cranial nerves for nothing. And if these guys can get inside the the, the nerve cells or, or the, the sort of little helper cells that they have with them um, and sort of crawl up into the brain that way, um, that might be how they do it. And they actually saw um, the deposition of, of signs of these bacteria in, in human brain that they looked at seemed to be following the tracks of, of nerves into the brain. Right. Interestingly, so does the damage to one of the key proteins that gets damaged in this disease. I know... In medicine, there are, are some conditions which are fairly black and white. You know, a broken arm, for example, is a broken arm. Yep. Um, but cancer is a, an umbrella term for lots of different types of um, yeah. cancers. Uh, is Alzheimer's as, um, as as homogenous as we would want it to be? Or, or are there lots of different types of 
Alzheimer's, lots of different types of damage. And is that an umbrella term? Could this only work for some types of, of uh, brain conditions? And how, uh, how applicable yeah. do researchers think it is? Yeah, actually, um, when we get good at defining diseases is when we are really sure what causes it. Um, there are lots of things that give you a sore throat. When we, you know, discovered uh, flu virus, we learned that only some of them are flu. Um, you know, once you learn how a disease develops, then you can really pin down, okay, this is this particular disease process here. All we've had to go on with Alzheimer's, it, it's dementia, it's a particular pattern of brain damage, it involves a lot of amyloid. You know, maybe other pathogens do this too. Um, there is actually some recent um, evidence that one of the large family of viruses called herpes uh, might get into your brain and might do similar sorts of damage. Um, right now, we've got strong evidence, I think, um, for, for this bacteria. But um, obviously, you know, we're going to have to do a lot more looking. The thing is that as we get better at defining what causes the damage, we get better at defining the disease. Right now, all we know is that Alzheimer's is, is a kind of dementia with, with a lot of amyloid. What have um, researchers been saying about this paper and, and what do they think of this link of gum disease to, to Alzheimer's? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Some of the people I've talked to, especially people who've been writing for the last few years, look, guys, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the amyloid hypothesis just isn't working. You know, none of these treatments we've, we've developed around it is, is, is giving us any results. We really need to rethink that. Those people are absolutely euphoric about it. They think this is one of the biggest steps forward we've made in years. And yes, wow, go out there, do lots more research. Let's see if this pans out. Um, on the other hand, uh, what I am also told um, by some people is, well, you know, there are people out there who sunk their entire careers into examining Alzheimer's in terms of the amyloid hypothesis. And this happens in science sometimes. You know, they're human. They don't want to let go. There's been a lot of money spent hmm. pursuing this hypothesis. It just hasn't led anywhere. It can be hard to change track, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to deny the uh, it's, it's very compelling work. A vaccine against Alzheimer's is the holy grail when it comes to this brain degeneration, which everybody fears and everybody knows someone who has been touched by it. It's an absolutely yeah, devastating totally. disease. So very exciting uh, research, Debbie McKenzie from New Scientist. Thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure.